If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. You can now take KRBN Internet News Talk Radio with you on your mobile phone as we are making it easier to listen to the great hosts here on KRBN, including our very own West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bozovich. It's free and available on Google Play. Just look for player.fm. That's player.fm and search for KRBN. Live from Lane County, Oregon, it's the Bose No Show with your host, West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bozovich. And now, here's Jay. And good afternoon, and it's another beautiful day in the Pacific Northwest. It's a little on the warm side for us. It's actually going to get close to 90 oh, and 30% humidity. I know if you're any of my friends that might be tuning in from the East Coast, that just sounds horrid, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> but for here, people are just melting and having a fit. In fact, for some reason, it seems to be impacting Pacific Core's feed to uh, the EPUD substation that serves my area, because for the second time in three days, we lost power today, and I thought I was going to have to do the Bose Nose show on battery power. Actually, it would be on generator power, because I am a prepper, and I do have a whole house generator, and one of the ways I know the power goes off is I suddenly hear this rumbling noise, and it's my generator coming on. So, you know, one of the things about prepping is, is at least, you know, for these little inconveniences like power outages, you still got it. <laughs> so, um, that's it. Been fun and games here, though, in this area because it's kind of played havoc. Unfortunately, the generator only runs the house and the building my wife's business in, in is on a separate uh, meter and service. And it doesn't run that, so it's kind of played havoc with productivity in the business this week. Um, you know, with, without without computers and uh, the wireless phone extensions don't work, and uh, all sorts of things go on. So it's pretty hard to do much of anything business-wise. Um, you know, without without power nowadays, can't make copies. Hard to file, even do filing because it's too dark in the building. So. Uh, might have to get a generator for the for the business eventually. So we're, this is Bose Nose Show, and I'm your host Jay Bozovich, and we come to you live every Wednesday at four o'clock here on KRBN Internet News Talk Radio, and it's a show I do um, because of being a Lane County Commissioner, it's one of the ways I can reach out to my constituents, but I also get to talk to the whole world in some ways because it is internet radio. In fact, we even had a caller one time from South Africa. We've had callers from Arkansas and California and other places. But I really like callers from right here in Lane County. And you can get a hold of us at 646-721-9887. Just press 1 
let's Robin, my call screener and producer extraordinaire, know you want to get in on the conversation. Again, that number is 646-721-9887, and just press one so we know you want to talk to us here on the Bozno Show, because occasionally we have a few people that call and just listen through their phones because they're away from their computers. Uh, in particular, we have a uh, particular truck driver that because uh, of course you're probably going in and out of all sorts of Wi-Fi signals going down I-5. Um, but this week on the Bozo Show, there's a whole bunch of stuff I want to talk about because of course we took last week off for Independence Day, and of course I had to, you know, the week before I did my annual rant about not calling it the fourth and the fourth of July because I think people have so much disconnected for why they have that day off. Um, that we need to remind people and refer to it as Independence Day, because that's really a, an important uh, day in history. Uh, the Declaration of Independence uh, contains some, in the preamble, contains some concepts that were groundbreaking and earth-shaking at the time and have held the test of time, you know, that all men are created equal. And we have inalienable rights, you know, life, liberty. You know, it's just really a powerful document that people should read every July 4th on Independence Day to remind themselves why they have that day off. Because all of the signers of the Declaration of Independence, things didn't turn out so well for a lot of those folks. Some of them were eventually captured by the British and executed. A lot of them lost property and became paupers through that. A lot of them, some of them were killed during the war. Uh, you know, it wasn't, you know, all, uh, you know, sign the, the document and walk away like a lot of things happen today where people, you know, pass resolutions and sign a document or whatever else. Um, they were taking their lives in their hands when they put their name on that document. And it's a, you know, pretty amazing thing. And we ought to think about Independence Day uh, every year. And the day we don't celebrate enough is September 17th, which is the day that the Constitution was ratified and is Constitution Day, because that's the other document that was far ahead of its time, broke ground, and has stood the test of time, and you know is in, under much discussion right now as we have a new nominee to the uh, Supreme Court of the United States, the personage of Judge Brett Kavanaugh, and uh, of course, folks are losing their mind over that 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 um, proposed appointment. But you know, really, the Supreme Court was supposed to protect the Constitution and and be the balance to the legislative and executive branches in the uh, the balancing of powers between the three branches of government. Uh, they're not supposed to legislate. Um, they're supposed to interpret and and uh, enforce. Uh, the Constitution, and that's really what they're there for. So, two days I like to celebrate every year: Independence Day, Constitution Day. Should be the two biggest holidays in America. Shouldn't be Cinco de Mayo or Halloween. It should be Independence Day and Constitution Day. And I'll get off my soapbox. 
So there's been a lot going on because it's been two weeks since we had Bo's Nose Show, and there's been some interesting things. I got a chance to go out and tour the Veterans Legacy facility as they're converting what used to be the sheriff's work camp out in Alma on Sayusaw River Road, way out past Lorraine in um, the middle of the forest into a treatment facility for veterans. And it's a really unique concept they have there um, where they're going to bring the veterans in and, and Basically, you know, it's going to be run by veterans. Um, there'll be veterans there, only veterans there in the facility. So there'll be a common bond amongst these these folks that are having trouble reintegrating into society, and um, you know, with other issues, whether it's substance abuse or PTSD or whatever. But one of the things that those veterans uh, help stabilize them is to get back into an environment that they're familiar with and being around a bunch of other veterans that have similar um, backgrounds and then they'll actually the the quarters they'll be in will look very similar to a barracks you know foot locker at the foot of the bed you know a, a, you know a little bit of storage and all that stuff but you know very um very much barracks like in some ways um, although they will have a little bit of privacy in each of their cubes. One of the things they're looking at is, is using dogs as part of the program so that they had to kind of rethink how the, the size of the cubicles to allow for um, uh, a uh, pen for the dog and, and bed, bedding for the dog and everything. So it's going to be an interesting program, but very much um, based on a low barrier of entry where the only people they won't take in there are folks that have uh, arson convictions um, and, and arson issues. For obvious reasons, it's in the middle of the woods, uh, out where there isn't any real fire protection. Um, and you're talking about folks that are housed together in close quarters. Um, so you can kind of get that. But they're going to take people that you know have had problems, been thrown out of group housing because of uh, behavior problems, been um, out on the street because of addiction problems, really low barrier housing for these folks. And then they're going to bring them in there and provide, you know, physical um, health treatment. They're going to provide mental health treatment, but they're also going to provide um, what they call um, agricultural treatment there, where they're going to have the folks growing crops, et cetera, provide, helping provide for their own sustenance. Uh, they're going to have a sweat lodge there. They're going to provide some, um, you know, and it's just all about getting back to the earth, um, sort of. In, in fact, they're looking to try and get a um, ground-driven um, horse-drawn plow that they'll actually do some of their work with out there. Uh, and that's, it's really um, kind of an innovative idea, but it's, it's really could be powerful for the veterans because it has that separation from, you know, it's far enough away from any city or, or town that they don't feel like they're crowded with other people that are non-veterans and they'll be surrounded by other veterans, both the uh, treatment staff and, and the, uh, the folks that are there uh, being housed. And it, it'll just be a, a really great environment for that. So it sort of fits the mode mold of something that has been called supported housing or housing first where it's really easy to get into that and then they give you this intensive case management to help you deal with 
you know, what are you, what are your issues and why are you having trouble being housed in the first place? Um, so that was kind of an exciting thing. And then this this week, uh, the Board of Commissioners approved uh, or at least gave our uh, administrator authority to sign an intergovernmental agreement with the Homes for Good, which used to which is formerly known as uh, the Housing uh, and Community Services Authority uh, for Lane County, also called HACSA, um, but to um, move our uh, our own supported housing project on Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard there across from Autzen Stadium and next door to our Behavioral Health Department's uh, headquarters, uh, Ford that have 50 um, of these housing first uh, supported housing uh, style apartments in it where it'd be a low barrier to entry. Uh, we get people in there, intensive case management, and really try and deal with why are these people homeless in the first place and try and work on permanent changes in their lives. And that's really um, been shown to be very effective in other cities. We did a pilot program called FUSE where we tried to uh, um, get the top 50 emergency services. And I, by emergency services, I mean emergency room, ambulance call outs, uh, police responses, uh, jail bookings, you know, all those various places where they touch the system. The top 50 utilizers, we tried to contact those folks uh, that are out there that are homeless, get them into housing and connected to services. And that pilot program, uh, we helped about 20 people through that program because it was hard to connect. You know, you can't always find people that are homeless. <laughs> but uh, we got about 20 people through that program who we estimated were costing taxpayers through unreimbursed um, you know, emergency room uh, visits, uh, jail bookings, police response and all that, about 35,000 a year just in emergency services. And it cost only about 14,000 a year to put those people into housing and give them that intensive case management. So just a per person, we were saving 21,000 a year in that program. So as we look at this 50 unit um, MLK housing project, uh, that has the potential to really, you know, million dollars in cost savings a year. If you look at just that 20, approximately 20,000 a year, uh, if we get to, and not everyone stays at, in the housing for a full year. They may only need six months of intensive case management before they might move on to a less costly sort of style of housing, maybe a group transitional home, or maybe they actually get well enough they get into standard housing. Um, but, you know, you, we'll probably have more than 50 people go through that program in a year. So just think about the ultimate uh, savings and the long-term impact on homelessness. This isn't just warehousing people and temporarily setting them up in a tent city or, you know, what it, however, you know, putting them in, in large shelters or something like that. This is actually bringing them in and dealing with what is causing them to be homeless in the first place and what is causing them to not be successful in society and try and work on some of those things and fix change behaviors, um, fix issues like 
chronic health issues that may be holding them back and preventing them from getting a job. Um, so it's really, really kind of exciting. You know, two things that are sort of housing first models, um, supported housing that I got to, to be involved with in the last couple of weeks is Veterans Legacy Program out there at the old work camp and, and this uh, new building that we hope to have up and running by 2020 um, on across from Watson Stadium. So kind of all along, I've, I've thought this was the real answer. And even more, we need to do this with youth because if we can actually keep youth off the street, you know, there's there's a statistic if a if if a youth is homeless more than two weeks before they're age 18, they're about 80% more likely to be chronically homeless as an adult. So it's really critical to also extend this sort of program down at the youth level, uh, which is something St. Vincent de Paul uh, was attempting to do over in, in the Bethel area that's raised a bunch of issues with um, some neighbors as they try and establish a home for, for um, runaway and homeless boys out there to try and turn them around a little bit. Um, so we need to kind of not play NIMBYism there, which brings me to a couple other things that were on my list to talk about today on the Bose Nose Show. And of course, if you want to talk about something on the Bose Nose Show, you know you can always call me Anytime during the show, interrupt me and change the subject at 646-721-9887. Just press one. Let's Robin, my call screener and producer extraordinaire, know you want to get in on the conversation. Again, 646-721-9887 and just press one. But there's you know, a couple other places that have been in the news this last week or two while we were off the air. One's called Lombard Apartments, which is a proposed uh, apartment complex on River Road on a piece of R2 zone property, which is medium density housing in the city of Eugene, which is, I think, 12 to um, 25 units per acre or something like that. Uh, and it was been zoned that way for a long, long time, but the neighbors are losing their minds because somebody actually purchased it and is going to move forward with developing it. And it's a, it's a developer that developed another piece of property up the street and ultimately sold it for a big profit to an investment company, you know, a group of investors. And for some reason, that's just a horrible thing in a lot of people's minds that this market rate housing is being added to the housing stock here. And you know how much I've talked about the need for housing. And it's just, it amazes me when a piece of property that has been long time zoned for, for apartments and somebody finally, you know, that's going to move forward with developing it, proposes it, everybody's up against, you know, is against it. And it's a horrible thing if you're, you know, and it's like, really? <laughs> and it's the same people usually that will complain about sprawl. And, and the fact they don't want the cities to sprawl, yet they complain when something is going to get developed for the zoning. Along with that, there's a piece of uh, a project down in the Florence area that raised a little bit of um, uproar, but not not nearly as bad down in the Florence area called, um, I think it's uh, Canary Station or Cannery Station. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly. I think it might be Canary Station. And it's a, a multi-use um, sort of project, but mostly multifamily housing with some uh, retail involved. 
right at Munson Lake Road and Highway 101 in Florence. And some people are kind of upset about that. And one of the things they're upset about is some of it's going to be 55 and up limited. And they, they think there needs to be more market rate all age housing in Florence, which I don't disagree with them. But any housing being added takes pressure off the housing crisis. So I'm just happy someone's willing to invest and build multifamily housing in Florence, even if it's age limited. So um, I hope folks can back away from the emotions on that and just realize how badly we need housing in Lane County. Of any kind of housing it takes the pressure off the prices of all the rest of the housing. So that kind of gets me, you know, from we started out talking about veterans and all the way through a boys home and into multifamily housing, which gets to some other local news. And we had a really odd fire yesterday um, morning, or was it Monday morning in Junction City, two days ago. A uh, fire that started with a big explosion. Explosion was forceful enough to take shards of glass from the windows and embed them in the concrete of the building across the way, you know, about 60 or 70 feet away. So very suspicious fire and situation. And on top of that, there's apparently some racist graffiti uh, painted on the back of the building prior to when this happened that had been reported by some of the neighbors. So not sure if there's a racial motivation behind the fire or whatever, but it's being investigated uh, and all the way up to the federal level by the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms and Explosives, um, better known as ATF, and a uh, very serious situation up there in Junction City. Truly hope that the graffiti and the fire are completely unrelated. And um, it's just one of those things where it might have been kids with the graffiti thinking they're 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 being tough or something like that and the fire is just an unrelated circumstantial thing but um, really kind of concerning uh, there's no place in this community for um, outright racism and intimidation and let alone arson and um, that sort of destruction you know that that is absolutely no justification for that so be interesting to see what the whole story is when all all is investigated. Um, it was a building that had been an insurance office for a long time in Junction City, it had been abandoned for quite a while, and uh, was being converted to a restaurant. So you never know. The explosion could have been that they had brought you know gas into the, in, in there for the cook stoves, and something went wrong, and and uh, some gas built up and exploded. That could be what happened. And, and the graffiti could be just purely circumstantial. So kind of hoping that's the case, but really kind of a, an interesting thing. So you folks up there in Junction City, if there's something you know that I don't know and you want to call and tell me about it, 646-721-9887 and just press one. So the other thing going on here, and I had to experience this a little bit, uh, had to do a little bit of driving around town today and oh my gosh it's country fair time in Venita again in Elmira and it's not even really 
there yet. Usually it gets bad on the Thursday before the fair when everyone comes to move in the camps. But I think there's enough vendors and people coming a little bit early that traffic around Benita is already getting bad. I had a terrible time trying to make a left turn on Highway 126 from a shop I stopped at today. And on my way home here to do the Bo's Nose Show, I ended up doing 30 miles an hour down most of territorial because I don't know what was going on. <laughs> I couldn't see far enough ahead in the line of cars to understand why we were doing 30 miles an hour. Um, so just getting to be that time of year, I, I, I went to the grocery store. I've got my food laid in. I've got my generator. I'm staying home this weekend and <laughs> staying out of all that craziness. But the country fair is an interesting event. It, it, you know, the community around here has kind of got a love-hate relationship with it. Um, you know, we all love the the fact that it does bring a lot of economic activity to Lane County and all the businesses around here. In fact, uh, the local dairy marts um, start stocking up their their freezers full of ice for a month leading up to the because the, they can't make ice fast enough that weekend. And they'll end up selling out before the before the weekend's over. Just ice alone. <laughs> so uh, it's because uh, all the people camping with ice chests and all that stuff. So it you know definitely does bring a lot of dollars into the community, but it does bring a lot of headaches at the same time too. So it's kind of this little bit of a love hate relationship. Hopefully this year uh, the Darlings um, camp won't do the amplified music they did on the Friday night that, that caused uh, my phone to ring off the hook Saturday morning and even in, even Friday night. Um, and we won't have that sort of situation again. But, you know, with the Oregon Country Fair, now that means the Lane County Fair is right behind it because we changed the fair date. So hope everybody's getting cranked up and ready for the Lane County Fair starts a week from today. And uh, that's always a great event. So we got two great events back to back. And then last weekend was Art in the Vineyard down in Eugene. So it's just been like one weekend event after another here in Lane County. And it's just a great time of year because, you know, gorgeous blue skies. I mean, this weekend for the country fair, it's going to get a little hot, you know, in the low 90s, but not as bad as it's been sometimes. And, and you know, if it's kind of not, if it's not hot, at the country fair, it's just not the country fair in some ways. So, you know, come on out. You got to buy your tickets in advance. There's no tickets at the gate. Um, and if you drive out, they got you have to pay to park. So the best way to get out the country fair is buy your tickets in advance in town. Grab one of those LTD shuttles out to the fair, and uh, you know, get your fare on uh, and have fun. And then next week, uh, Lane County Fair, you know, is going to be another great event. You know, they, they've done a great job of having a fair amount of entertainment that's free right there in the Midway that you don't even have to pay for. Uh, there's enough going on with all the vendors inside, indoors, all the animals to see that other than your fair admission, you could actually go in there and spend hours without spending a nickel. Now, if you do have a few nickels you want to spend, there's all sorts of great food and, uh, you know, the kids love the rides and all that stuff. So it's just, it's a good old fashioned county fair and, and a lot of fun. 
and got some good music entertainment in the evenings. So that's coming up next week on Wednesday. Back to me, I have to look. Nah, I think it's Thursday I'm doing the ice cream social. So hopefully I won't, won't, won't impact the Bo's Nose show next week, um, having the, the, the county fair. So that's kind of, you know, a couple things going on here locally in the community. So that kind of gets through the local Lane County issues. Now I kind of like to jump, you know, up a little bit, maybe talk a little bit about state and, and federal issues here on the Bo's Nose show. because. Yeah, you know, we, we we get into that. It's it's about whatever people want to talk about. And sometimes it gets federal, sometimes it gets state, sometimes it gets local, sometimes it's municipal. You know, like we talk we've talked in the past about um the city of Eugene and their issues with ride sharing and Uber and Lyft. Uh and you know, I've even we even talked about the city of Eugene's uh problems with fireworks. <laughs> on the Bose Nose Show. So we can get all the way down to municipal level, right down to the neighborhood level, or we'll go national global. And it's kind of interesting. Um been a lot of lot of you know stuff about uh national and global that's actually even being protested here on the local level, uh whether it's the immigrations and customs enforcement uh folks that are being protested. Uh, here in Eugene, there was protests, and up in Portland, they actually shut the office down. And uh, whether it's that, or whether it's the Supreme Court pick that's now being protested, um, or uh, even you know the criticism now of President Trump uh, taking on some of the NATO uh, allies over not uh, holding up their end of the bargain when it comes to uh, protecting themselves as part of the um, North Atlantic Treaty Organization, which is what NATO stands for. It, and it, it's interesting because particularly on the NATO one, there were opinion pieces being written back during the Obama administration saying that it was time to end NATO and have the U.S. stop paying so much to protect Europe because it was unnecessary, and that we you know, we should be cutting our defense budget, and that you know they're encouraging President Obama to to take that leadership and all that. And now you see President Trump basically, you know, taking that on. And the same organizations that were saying we should have ended NATO five, four or five years ago are now going. Oh my gosh, it has to stay in place. He's endangering our alliances with all our friends and, and, and everything. So it's just the, the inconsistency sometimes just is pretty interesting to watch when it comes to national and global events. Uh but it'll be it'll be interesting. I'm not sure whether I'm happy with the Supreme Court pick. Um you know, personally I like uh constructionists. Um Neil Gorsuch, I thought was a was a a good pick. Uh, Brett Kavanaugh, though, has said some things and been squishy sometimes on 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 certain interpretations. That makes me worry that he won't always, uh, you know, be in a uh, Scalia, Alito um, side of the 
constructionist sort of uh, judge where he's going to he may be uh, a fence sitter you know and one of those swing boats is going to go back and forth between uh, you know the, the quote living constitution folks and and the uh, strict constructionists so it'll, it'll be interesting to, to watch um, the the, the hearings and how that goes with with Kavanaugh uh, out of the folks he was considering I would think that the Democrats would be pleased because he is probably um, in his writings and also in in uh, in some of his decisions and all that has probably been um, more liberal than some of the other people that were on the list to, you know, to the point where there there are conservatives that are upset President Trump picked Kavanaugh. So it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out uh, and whether he can make it through the, uh, you know, through the confirmation process and the hearings uh, and, and end up getting the appointment. But it's always interesting to watch um, watch some of these things go on from from a little bit of a distance of, of 3,000 miles across the country because uh, sometimes it seems a little bit on the silly side as, as you know there were actually people protesting his pick before he ever named the pick in fact I saw a piece of YouTube video where uh, a guy went out to a college campus on Friday before the pick was even announced he hadn't even made his shortlist yet and was talking with college students saying what do you think of the president's pick for the Supreme Court and of course they bit you know and thought he had actually made a pick and, and were immediately saying oh he's horrible he's an extremist it's going to be the worst thing for the country and all that stuff and he hadn't even made a pick yet so it's kind of like just the knee-jerk reaction from people is just uh, rather interesting. So it gets gets me down to some state-level stuff that's going on, and it, it it I got to run payroll for the first time since July 1st for my wife's company, and lo and behold, we are starting to withhold that one tenth of one percent of people's salaries for the mass transit tax, which I just know Robin loves. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it, it's uh, you know, I, I it was kind of interesting to print the pay the 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 pay stubs out and see that withholding there, and, and you know, it wasn't a whole lot for a lot of people. You know, five dollars or or seven dollars here and there for some of these folks, but you know, that's still less money in your pocket and more money going to the state of Oregon. You know, in a state that just can't seem to get enough money um, and, and, you know, does all sorts of crazy things like disconnecting themselves from the Trump tax cuts because they, they just couldn't live without the money. Um, so it's just uh, kind of interesting, which kind of gets me to another little piece of um, inside baseball. So. One of the things that, you know, I sometimes am privy to is when uh, somebody higher up in the food chain uh, notifies, you know, their staff notifies us. They want to come down and 
tour a facility or do something down here in Lane County, or they're going to be in the area and they want to invite commissioners to participate. And, um, you know, sometimes it's, you know, something as simple as, you know, the governor came down as, as she was doing a tour about transportation issues, and I actually participated in a um, press event right there at Beltline Road to talk about the need for um, improvements to Beltline Road. No big deal then, wasn't an election year. Um, it was, you know, just about trying to make, you know, raise awareness of the need for some, some transportation funding. Um, but got a request on Friday um, through the governor's staff, or actually late, probably it was late Thursday, maybe early Friday, um, where they wanted to come here uh, yesterday and tour one of our federally funded county-run health clinics for the purpose of then, you know, running a tour with the press there and then doing a press conference where the governor was going to denounce the Trump administration's moves towards making it easier for insurance companies to um, start taking into account pre-existing conditions in insuring people. It was purely a political um, stop as the governor is in the middle of a re-election campaign and it was it was going to be targeted specifically around taking on the Trump administration and, and some proposed changes in um, administrative rules that would have made that easier and, and just taking that whole issue on. Um, fortunately, um, working with staff, we kind of were a little bit concerned about the use of taxpayer funded facilities as a backdrop to a political event and basically got back to the governor's staff and said, you know, we're more than happy for the, we, we'd love for the governor to come down and tour our clinic, but we're not going to allow press uh, at that tour. And if, and, and um, if she wishes to do press, it needs to happen um, outside of the clinic. Um, and, you know, Never really heard back from the governor's staff. Lo and behold, um, she ended up holding her Eugene um, campaign stop at uh, the uh, Planned Parenthood facility here in Eugene instead of our clinic, which is um, not directly publicly funded, but does take a lot of public funds. Um, but that was where she chose her backdrop to, to take on um, the administration's policies. But it was kind of it's kind of interesting, you know, when, you know, I would have said the same thing if Newt Bueller had asked to, to try and use one of our facilities for um, a press backdrop for, but it, it's, it brings up something that's always bothered me. And it's the use by congressmen, governors, uh, you name it. They'll come into town, hold an event at a school we bring the press in as they're, you know, touring the school with the kids and all that stuff. And then they'll do like a press conference about something they're advocating for or against that, that, you know, the children that are behind them and, you know, don't have a freaking idea what they're probably talking about, but they're using these kids as props and they're doing it, this political activity 
from a taxpayer built building in a facility that's operated and maintained with taxpayer dollars. You know, and I really feel it walks on the edge of the Hatch Act and several other prohibitions against using taxpayer funds for political purposes. But think about how many times have you turned on the TV evening news and seen, you know, uh, a senator or a congressman or a governor at a school talking about the, you know, we need this new bill to go through or we need this 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 tax to fund this program or or you know we need this program for children's health or something or whatever it is they're advocating for and it's political advocacy and they're using kids as props and using a taxpayer funded and operated facility and it just you know it really is a little disconcerting to see that happen and it happens on both sides of the aisle all over the place and i'm and as i think about it i'm going to have to remember to not do that myself and to try and make sure that sometime in the future i don't get caught up in doing the same thing uh, and doing that kind of advocacy from a public facility uh, and, you know, there's a difference between um and you know people brought this up donald trump came to lane county fairgrounds and yes that's a taxpayer funded facility to a certain degree, it's actually in an enterprise zone, but it was originally purchased with taxpayer funds, and um, but it operates on its own. But he paid rent for that facility, and it's open to anybody to rent. Hillary Clinton could have rented that facility. So there's a little bit of a difference there between coming to a clinic that's not generally open to the public or rented and trying to use that as political backdrop, or a school versus renting a building at the fairgrounds to hold a rally. <laughs> so a little bit of soapboxing there on the Bose Nose Show, but it really is is always been a pet peeve of mine to watch these politicians use schools and kids in particular as as uh, pawns and and backdrops for advocacy of their issues. And it just uh, is not truly an ethical thing to do. So again, if you want to talk about this or other subjects on the Bose Nose Show, give us a call 646-721-9887. Just press one and you can get in on the conversation and talk about what you want to talk about. Otherwise, I'll just keep going with the issues Jay wants to talk about or Robin wants to talk about. And who knows what we could be talking about. Could be the uh, the ever-changing and zigzagging lanes due to the MX construction in Eugene, to the crazy um, figure eight uh, version of traffic circles in Glenwood, <laughs> to uh, the new mass transit tax that we all love and hate. Uh, <laughs> yeah, speaking of those roads, you think think the architect should be drug tested? Yeah, yeah, whoever the traffic engineer or whatever that laid that one out, it definitely should be drug tested. Sixth and seventh, oh my gosh. That, that is just the height of, I don't know who was thinking when they put that, when they laid some of that stuff out. Lanes that suddenly end and you have to merge over with without a lot of thought of how they did that. 
the ones they chose to make through lanes and not through lanes. It, it's crazy. Decided to put a planter in the middle of the street over by the U of O. Yeah. Well, you know, because the U of O is banned smoking on campus, that gives the place, you know, the the, the staff some place to go out and smoke. They can go stand in the planter. <laughs> yeah, if you can cross the street. Yeah. So, which leads me to another thing that, that just is driving me a little bit crazy. The city of Eugene is actually going to ban smoking in street right-of-ways. What? Yes. In downtown, they're not going to let you smoke out on the sidewalk or in the street, basically. It is going to be banned, period. Is that legal? I guess they... Yeah, they I, I don't know. I guess it's I guess it can be made legal, but I just I just I find it to be just way beyond the nanny state. Hey, I, I got a really good idea. Why don't they take the few remaining businesses downtown, go put them over in that skateboard park and everybody can get together, hold hands and sing Kumbaya. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. They're at least saying that the businesses downtown can opt out if they want to allow their sidewalks to be smoking areas. Um and, and uh, they're allowing businesses outside of the downtown area to opt in to banning smoking on the sidewalks in, in their areas. It just that's public property. Yeah. Why do the businesses get to make that determination? Yeah, you're gonna play hotscotch every time you go shopping. Yeah, yeah. It's just gonna be. I think you know. In some ways, maybe it's aimed at, at controlling some of the homeless downtown. You know. If they can't smoke, you know, they're going to start issuing a bunch of citations to homeless people for smoking out in the, on the sidewalk. Oh, I see. So if you're a non-smoking homeless person, you're okay. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but I kind of wonder, I, I was kind of surprised that the homeless advocates didn't go berserk when they proposed this. But I guess they're the same people that are nanny state advocates, too. So it's kind of like. Yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see how this one plays out, whether it gets challenged legally or not. Um, but, you know, it's kind of, I was the lone vote against making Lane County building, you know, outside of buildings, uh, the campuses uh, smoke-free. Um, right. And, and uh, my, my justification was it's still a legal product in the U.S. It's addictive. So therefore, we have citizens that are addicted to a legal product that need to have access to government. And one of the basic premises of, of our our representative government here is your right to redress in the government. And if you're banning these people from the campus that have this addiction um, and telling them, you know, they got to go go out into the street right away to smoke and who knows now they're not even going to be able to smoke in the street right away are we effectively um, discriminating against one class of citizens about their you know access to redress from their local governments well look at it from a business point of view you've already banned dogs downtown now you're going to ban smoking i mean and then they cry why is everybody going to valley river and gateway yeah. Well, actually, they they lifted the dog ban. Now they just have a ban on unlicensed dogs downtown. Oh, I see. 
So, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how some of that plays out with the city of Eugene. Because um, it, it, that one, I kind of wonder if they can, they really have the authority to ban it in, in the right of way. Yeah, it'd be right. Rights movement. These are interesting, legally interesting places. That would be just like uh, cities that try to ban um, low-hanging pants. Yeah. That's right, Your Honor. It held down more than uh, 15 inches from the waistline, and so therefore, no, but sorry, that was 12 and a half inches, so Your Honor, it's legal. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's always amazing when 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 you get into social engineering through legislation, and that's essentially the justification they're giving for this um, outdoor smoking ban in downtown is they think it will reduce the amount of smoking and tobacco use. So it, it's it's a behavior modification rule against a behavior that's legal. Yeah. Well, look how all the smoke, uh, the soda ban work. Yeah. Yeah. Don't get me started. And I love the fact, you know, this whole thing about straws that's going on now, plastic straws. And Starbucks, as enlightened as they are, went to these new adult sippy cup tops, you know, that, that are non-straws. Yeah. They're made out of plastic. It's like whenever I get a cup of coffee, I in there, you know. Yeah, I use the stir straws as a straw when I drink coffee with a lid on it because, for one thing, chances are I won't spill it on myself as I'm, well, I guess illegally driving with uh, drinking a cup of coffee. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which then stay then you know any even even eating a sandwich is illegal to drink to drive and eat. Yeah, technically, it's distracted driving. I saw him with a pastrami. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Mm. But it's interesting, you know, had a little fire there in Springfield yesterday out there off the 28th. Yeah. And Olympic, I guess, or somewhere about there. There's a field where some folks were flying a drone. And somehow or other they were distracted and crashed the drone and started the fire. Um, but all I can think of was, wonder what distracted them. Oh, I bet one of them had to answer their cell phone. Yeah. Or was reading a text and not watching the damn drone. Must have been a heck of a drone. Trying to fly a drone and text at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how the drone started the fire, but it looked like it burned about a half acre out there. Oh, wow. A video that was on the news so which leads to another issue um here in lane county just want to remind folks that they have raised the fire um levels all across the county um as far as uh, what's allowed out there so before you go out and operate equipment um in the woods or even mow your lawn you probably need to check with your local fire district or with the Oregon Department of Forestry to make sure you understand what's legal because there's a lot of stuff that's no longer legal out in the woods um, or there's time of day restrictions on some of that. So um, be careful out there. 
So it is going to get hotter and drier. Um, fuel loads or, or, or fuel energies are getting pretty high right now. So it, it's pretty easy to start a fire, like the idiots with the distracted drone drivers uh, and, in Springfield. And to those uh, wonderful, smart people that uh, um, still throw their lit cigarette out the window on the freeway, I'm half tempted to take the, your image of my from my traffic cam and post it on Facebook. Yeah, well, you ought to you ought to be sending that off to OSP. Well, you know what's funny though is that it's actually cheaper, according to the signs on the freeway, to throw out burning material than it is to litter. Yeah, yeah, they'll, they'll get you for the littering fine because it's more harsh, huh? Yeah, you, seriously, that the littering fine is, is actually more than the burning material fine. Yeah, speaking of fines, speaking of fires and, and all that and investigations, did you hear about that fire, the Lobster Creek fire down there in um, Curry County? No. So there, there's a fire fairly close to Bandon that, that got started and, and took quite a bit to fight. Um, in fact, they were trying very intensively not to let it grow into another um big fire that, that like they had last year um, and you know they're fighting the fire and all that stuff and they fight and they realized that there was a group camping in the area where the fire started oh. and, and uh, lo and behold the, the, the group camping has ties to Lane County in fact right here in Eugene it's a youth camp for environmental justice activism <laughs> okay and if you go to their website it teaches them all sorts of things that you know about you know peaceful protests supposedly and all that stuff and resistance and 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 your rights as a protester and whatever else well the folks from that camp are refusing to talk to the investigators of the fire on advice from their attorneys <laughs> So now, do you wonder if maybe this environmental justice camp was being told that, you know, fire is a natural thing and it's something that we shouldn't really be fighting because that's part of the environmentalist mantra when it comes to our um, forest is we shouldn't be managing them at all, including putting fires out. And uh, next thing you know, there's a fire that crops up from basically where they were camping. <laughs> Wow. I wonder if one of the kids may have been inspired by some of the teachings they were receiving at that camp. Yes, and did they also get a quick lesson in responsibility? Yeah, I don't know, but the fires cost millions of dollars to fight so far. Wow. So one of the things that happens if it's a human-caused fire, you can actually be held liable for the firefighting costs. You know, just ask that kid up in the Columbia River Gorge It's going to have to supposedly pay back $36 million for that fire, the one that the idiot was tossing fireworks in the middle of a red flag day. Um, so so it'll be interesting to see how that one ultimately turns out and how long they're going to be able to hide behind their attorneys um, from speaking to the investigators. Um, but that that's going to be an interest. That'll be an interesting one that plays out over time. No kidding. By the way, um, I want to remind people real quick, 646-721-9887. And if you missed the the live show, you can catch us all over the place. In fact, Jay, you probably don't know this. 
is that uh, if you Google Caribbean Internet News Talk Radio, we are now, as I found out, and be nice of them to ask for permission, but oh, well, whatever, we are being rebroadcast on at least six different websites. Hmm. Fascinating. Yeah, so you are, as you mentioned earlier in the program, literally all over the world. Yep, yep, all over the world. Once you're on the Internet and you live forever, too, so... You know, whatever stupid things I say during this show, live forever. <laughs> exactly. But, yeah, we got uh, at least five, six sites that I've seen so far that are rebroadcasting all of our programs, uh, which is kind of flattering. Yeah. And, uh, you know, spreading the word. So That's great. So uh, welcome all you new listeners to the Bose Nose Show. It's a live local news talk radio show and i'm your host jay bozovich i am a lane county commissioner and i do this show as outreach to my constituents and anyone else listening that wants to talk a little bit about local government and politics and policies and even all the way out to the international and global level and we come to you every week live at four o'clock on wednesday afternoon pacific time but you can also listen to us live through facebook and we are available when we're not um, broadcasting at talk at krbnradio.net. That's our email address. And of course, you can always message us on our Facebook page, the KRBN Internet News Talk Radio page, uh, anytime. If you have uh, want to comment on something we talked about on the show, you want me to talk about something the next week on the show, there's a guest you'd like me to get on an interview because we do do that also on the Bose News Show now and then. Um, just drop us a line, and we're more than happy to uh, to have a little conversation. In fact, I just love it when people call in, and there's still a couple minutes left in the Bose News Show. So if you want to get in and talk to me live, six four six seven two one nine eight eight seven. And so you can also take us on your cell phone too at. Uh player.fn, search for KRBN, and iTunes as well. And sometimes the interviewee becomes the interviewer, as we refer to a certain KPNW host. Yes, yes, yeah. That, uh, and we did replay that a couple of weeks ago when I was uh, occupied by commissioner duties. Uh, you know, I, I do, I did bring on, in fact, I've had two radio news uh personalities come on and did interviews of them versus them doing interviews of me. I had um, Bill London from KPNW, and I had uh, Bob Snedden, formerly of KCST in Florence, who's now retired, uh, talking about his career doing news in the Florence area. Um, so if you go back through some of my archives, you may find that show with Bob Snedden and, uh, of course, the Bill London shows there. Um, too, if you want to listen to that. I've interviewed the Lane County Sheriff a couple times. I've even had the DA on, and um, I've had several um, executive directors for a couple nonprofits on here a few times. Uh, so it, it's, you know, kind of depends on what's in the news, whether I get a guest for particular things. In fact, I'm kind of hoping maybe in the future I'll pull somebody in from the Veterans Legacy Group to talk about that. Um, project they're working on out there because it's a pretty exciting um, concept to kind of have veterans getting back to kind of their their 
military roots, you know, being surrounded by other veterans, living in a similar facility to what they probably were living in when they were um, overseas or at least on, you know, on active duty and uh, having that healing environment to go with that and the, and the uh, treatment and all that. It's really kind of um, groundbreaking. So this has been the Bo's Nose Show for this week. We'll be back next week, Wednesday at 4 o'clock. I hope you enjoyed listening, and uh, give us a call next time. We'll talk about what you want to talk about. But thank you for listening live here from beautiful downtown Elmira. Have a great week. Watch out with that fire.